Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and my guest today is El Paso County's clerk and recorder, Steve Schleicher. How are you doing today, Steve? Doing all right, Scott. How about yourself, man? Good. I'm doing good. I just got back from vacation, and it's one of those things where when you... I, do you have kids? I do. Okay. So I have four kids, and I went on vacation, and... I don't know if this happens for everybody, but I was so stressed while I was out and about with my kids that, you know, they were going to get into someone else's stuff or they're going to break something. And it was really hard for me to relax on vacation. <laughs> so now that I'm back and like at work, I'm like, ah, I feel so much more relaxed. And <laughs> so uh, I need a vacation for my vacation, I guess is what it, I Scott, say. that's what I was going to say is, you know, usually it's uh, as kids are growing up and um, you take a vacation after the vacation. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. That, well, that, I, I hope you had a good time. I, I, I did. It, it was nice. We, we went on a we went on a cruise uh, into you know to the Bahamas, and it's like, well, of course that's amazing. Oh, but man. but you know, I, I I have this thing about being around a lot of people. Not not my favorite thing, but uh, either way, I was I was still able to enjoy it. Anytime you get me in a place where you can, I can just eat as much as I could possibly <laughs> want. Like I'm going to be in a pretty good mood. So, Absolutely, yeah. No, so that was good. Uh, but before we get into other things, I wanted to quickly add that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County, or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, but to get into things, I wanted to start off by having you give a bit of background prior to your current role as uh, the clerk and recorder. Sure. Uh, you know, one thing many citizens don't know is I'm a local guy. Um, have lived here uh, since I was in the first grade. Grew up at, down in uh, Security Whitefield Fountain area and graduated mm -hmm. Whitefield High School back in 1987. Uh, the day I walked across the stage, I handed my diploma over to a Marine Corps recruiter and went into the <laughs> Marines. So, Scott, that night I was going, what did I get myself into? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it had a great time. I was working on F-18s, um, you know, spent some time in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Southern Watch, and then went into uh, Bosnia mm -hmm. for Operation Deny Flight. Uh, met a lot of lifetime friends, things like that. But after 11 years, decided to go ahead and uh, get out with an honorable discharge. And it was at that time, um, you know, I went to went to work. And, you know, at, I went to work from at Merrill Lynch, and I was their mortgage credit manager for a period of six months. I managed the Grand Junction, the Colorado Springs, and the Pueblo office. And, Scott, many in the community that know, they're like, wait, those guys wear suits. Steve Schleicher does not wear suits. Totally out of character. Yeah, totally out of character. The only time Steve Schleicher wears a suit is when you hear the term, will the defendant please rise? So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it just it, it didn't fit me. So, you know, I was cruising around downtown, submitting applications, just like, you know, anybody else in the community. And I found a job on an old cork board because this was before the Internet. And this is when County HR was on Vermaho Street. And it was located in the first floor of what is now the district attorney's building. Okay. And so they posted all the jobs on a cork board. And so I saw this job and went to go apply with the elected official, took the job off the cork board and went in to talk to the elected official. And of course was told, you can't, you're doing it wrong. You need to submit an application and all this type stuff. So I think the only reason I got the job is because no one else knew it was available. <laughs> so I was the only one that applied. Wasn't uh, on the cork board anymore. It, it, no, it wasn't on the cork board. Uh, but, you know, during that time, I sat there, um, 
you know, worked my way from the basement of the assessor's office at a very uh, elementary uh, level position Mm -hmm. and worked my way up to being the elected county assessor back in 2014. And my second term was up uh, back this past year. But during that time, as far as growing up and things like that, I went and got an undergraduate degree in information technology management, a master's in project management, and a master's as an executive MBA. But I was absolutely humbled um, with the honor of everybody um, electing me as their county assessor from 2014 to 2022. And it was an absolute amazing experience. Mm -hmm. How did your background in the Marines help you with the work that you did, both in the assessor's office and now as clerk and recorder? You know, there was a lot. Um, You know, one thing I learned in the Marines was leadership and taking care of the people that work with you and work for you. Um, You know, a lot of times is, you know, staff are just not very happy because they feel they're outranked at every level from the customer outranks them, the boss outranks them and things like that. Um, but there's a lot of things that I learned in the Marines of how to take care of, of your people. And that is one thing that I've just been absolutely proud of is uh, there was very little turnover in the assessor's office. And as of today, as the new clerk and recorder, there's very little turnover. Yeah, that's excellent. And you mentioned previously before you were clerk and recorder, you were elected to the position as the county assessor. You did that for eight years. Uh, How has the transition worked for you? And what are some of those differences between the two roles? Oh, my gosh, Scott. Um, Two completely different statutory offices. (laughs) Um, You know, as your assessor, you basically uh, are there to value all taxable and exempt property within the county. And as what many um, may not know is we're the largest and most populous county in the state of Colorado. We surpassed Denver in population five years ago, and mm-hmm. we, we have not given up. Yeah. So those of us that are out there um, sharing on social media how great this place is, shut it down. Because you know? <laughs> folks, folks are still moving in. Uh, but, you know, that was one of the things where I had 47 employees in the assessor's office. And today, as your new clerk and recorder, I'm in charge of recording I'm in charge of elections. I'm in charge of motor vehicle, driver's license, and also clerk to the board. Um, and now I have over 175 employees. Jeez. So, you know, in addition to that is I got four different branches that are throughout the county. But the what I have brought is the relationships that I have built throughout the community. Um, I've always been a person that is, you know, goes out there, meets with people, Uh, How can I, as your elected official, better serve you? Um, And just having those relationships and bringing that along. Uh, What I'm finding a lot of fun of is, as talking about relationships, is building new relationships with 175 employees I I now work with. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned recording is one of those uh, responsibilities. Uh, You know, DMV is also one of the responsibilities. When you say recording... I don't really know what that means. What, what, what is that? And it's even in the title, right? Clerk and recorder. What, what is that exactly? Absolutely. You know, it's uh, basically like a little hidden thing going, what is, you know, what is recording? Are you down there making music? You know? Yeah, right. Are, do you have an actual recorder and you're like <laughs> yeah. playing, playing green sleeves on there or something? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's it, Scott, what it is, um, is where they record all of the documents and mostly real estate, like a warranty deed, beneficiary deed, quick claim deeds death certificates, 
Um, you know, a, a lot of documentation, DD-214s from our uh, military service members. Um, now, what folks in the community get confused with is I get phone calls or emails every day going, Steve, I need my divorce decree or I, you know, need this. And that's done at the uh, county courthouse. We are really um, real estate driven as far as on the recording side. Mm -hmm. And we also issue marriage licenses. Oh, okay. So, you know, and that's keeping us pretty busy in the springtime and the summertime. (laughs) Everybody's in love and wants to get a marriage license and Uh go get married. Um, But one thing that we have done is, as I've shared with the public, is I heard loud and clear, especially from a lot of our seniors in the community in regards to uh, property fraud. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is where an individual can come in and submit a beneficiary deed or quick claim deed on your property and cloud your title and you don't even know it. So a lot of our seniors who do not have an encumbrance on their property, you know, as far as a mortgage or anything like that, are very concerned about that. Because what happens is you could have a fraudster um, submit this and basically try to take loans out on your property. So what we have done here is, you know, say, you know what, we're putting safeguards up. It is not happening here in El Paso County. So we started our own property fraud program uh, free to all property owners in El Paso County. So if any kind of deed, warranty deed, beneficiary deed, quick claim deed or lien is uh, filed on filed or recorded on your property, we will be mailing you a letter, uh, you know, notifying that. And if you did not, as the property owner, um, begin that process, start that or initiate that process, then we're going to be turning it over to the sheriff's office, CSPD, and the district attorney for investigation and prosecution. And, you know, that makes me, you talk a lot about how there's, you know, fraud out there, there's, uh, you know, people trying to pull these scams and things like that. Is that something in your current role you see a lot more of is, you know, those kind of scam opportunities that people try and take advantage of people who um, are unsuspecting? You know, as county assessor, I saw three. And and keep in mind, this was over an eight-year period, and we have over 300,000 parcels. Mm -hmm. Um, Very small amount, but Scott, I will tell you, if it happens to just one person, it's way too many. Right. Um, Because it's costing these property owners thousands of dollars to hire a real estate attorney and clear up their title. Mm -hmm. And they did absolutely nothing wrong. Um, To date, since we initiated this program over a month ago, I have not heard anything. I've received a lot uh, feedback from the community saying, Steve, thank you very much. You know, it just gives them a peace of mind. But it, at the same time, what I wanted to do was, you know, um, put out this reputation. Don't do it here in El Paso County. Right. You, you will get caught. Um, you will be, you know, investigated and possibly charged and, you know, sentenced. Yeah. No, that's really good. So one of the things you're currently involved with, along with all this other stuff, is uh, the county redistricting process. So I know what you're allowed to talk about outside of public meetings is very limited. So I mostly just wanted to ask you why you thought it was important to have your office provide things like free maps and other tools to residents for them to participate in the process themselves. So with the passing of the new House bill, it has changed up the redistricting process quite a bit. Um, it allows uh, for citizen input, transparency, you know, just a number of different things. Uh, but for me is I always love citizen engagement. And to me, during the redistricting process, if anybody wants to be part of that and they want to sit there and take a look 
at a countywide map that breaks it down into precincts or commissioner districts or school districts, fire districts, all that type of stuff, and take a look as far as moving precincts from one commissioner district to another to get within that uh, variation that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it, it, it's very important that providing maps for free is, is easy because I know people like the touch of paper. Mm-hmm. They, they want to sit down over their coffee table and take a look at it. And during this process, I don't believe we should be charging for anything for people to be part of the process. Yeah. So for those listening, we're recording this on May 16th. And that's important for a couple of topics we're going to get to here in just a minute. Uh, So just about an hour ago, you were part of a press conference announcing legal action that El Paso County is taking. Uh, Can you talk to me a bit about that and how you, as the elected official of one of the largest county offices here in El Paso County, you stated you have 140 or so employees there at the clerk and recorder's office. Uh, how are you and your staff uniquely affected by that? So if I could answer that in two parts, mm-hmm. I was part of that, um, you know, as far as being part of the, the media announcement in regards to county employees having the opportunity to join a union. And what many in the community don't understand is that when our state legislature pass this this bill down to the counties, it's an unfunded mandate. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost a lot of money, which is going to come from different departments, you know, possibly out of the sheriff's department, which could take deputies off the street, out of the district attorneys, out of the clerk and recorder's office. But these monies have to come from someplace, it, particularly roads. Mm-hmm. You know, roads not getting done. Um, but what it does, it basically takes the statutory duties away from the elected official and bestows them onto the uh, county commissioners. There is a major difference between county commissioners and non-board elected. And your non-board elected is your clerk, recorder, treasurer, assessor, surveyor, coroner, sheriff, district attorney, is your board of county commissioners are policy offices, whereas your non-boards are statutory driven offices. And with that being said, is I do not work for the Board of County Commissioners. I work for the citizens of El Paso County who elected me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is the only thing the Board of County Commissioners has any say-so over my office is my yearly budget. Mm-hmm. That is it. So I run my office as I see fit per, you know, the citizens of this county. So that is a problem that I particularly have is when you start taking those duties away from uh, non-board countywide elected officials. And the other thing is, you know, talking to my staff about this, um, there are a number of things that they are concerned about, as well as I. Um, we all know as far as a union, you know, you got union dues and initiation fees, and these fees and dues can range from $200 to several hundred dollars per year, uh, partially offsetting higher wages. So instead of going to buy two weeks worth of groceries, They're writing a check to a union who's really doing nothing for them. Um, The other thing is loss of autonomy. You know, union members sacrifice individuality to belong to a group that at times you may disagree with a union decision, but you are bound by them. Mm -hmm. So your voice is really, really um, tampered down. You have to go with what the union decides. The other thing to me is less collaborative work environment. I'm a very open door 
very uh, pro-employee, sitting down with folks, getting to know them and them getting to know me. But union workers experience less of a sense of partnership and trust with their supervisors. I could definitely see that with the elected officials. And one thing is seniority. Mm-hmm. Is in government, I saw this in, in the military, I see it in county government, is you can have a person spend 20 years here in, you know, in government and get promoted because, you know, they've been here that long. Right. But what about the employee that's been here two years, kicking butt, knocking it out of the park, great employee, brings all the intangibles of dependability, integrity, loyalty to the desk um, each and every day, that's gone. So, you know, there was really no incentive for that junior employee to really put in forth effort and want to move up that ladder mm-hmm. of success. So, I, you know, looking at the union dues, the, the autonomy of it, the collaborative work environment, the seniority, I have a lot of problems with it. Yeah. And another reason why the date specifically is important is this is also the day of the runoff election for the city of Colorado Springs, which <laughs> is. is inside of El Paso County. So as the clerk and recorder, I think it may be common knowledge to a fair amount of people that your office is in charge of elections to a certain degree. Can you talk about whatever connection you may have to this runoff election? And if there's no connection, uh, kind of talk about where that uh, responsibility falls. This is a very confusing time to a lot of folks. <laughs> um, not who they're voting for, but who is actually coordinating the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a lot of folks don't know is um, when you have a municipality such as the city of Colorado Springs uh, running their early April election and now the runoff election, is that's actually coordinated by the city clerk's office. And that is per our city charter. However, many citizens in our community, you know, believe, hey, it's our county clerk and recorder that run our, all of our elections, and which is not true. Mm-hmm. However, we are there to support our city clerk. So initially what we have done is we provide voter data of who resides within, you know, the city of Colorado Springs who can receive a ballot because there's folks that actually live in Manitou or Fountain or monument going, I never received my ballot. Well, you right. don't reside within the city of Colorado Springs. You have to be a vested resident of the city of Colorado Springs, which means you're paying taxes into the city to be able to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of confusion there, but we actually sit there, provide them um, up-to-date voter information. We have kept our offices open. We'll be open till 7 o'clock tonight, so if anybody wants to register to vote, uh, we uh, can coordinate that. They can go down to City Hall, um, to the city clerk's office to get a ballot and to have their voice be heard. Uh, but we are there. Um, we are providing uh, 25 drop boxes to the city. You know, within the city of Colorado Springs, people can sit there and drop their ballot off at the, um, my drop boxes. And we're also providing our uh, security camera footage of those drop boxes. So once the election is over, we'll be downloading that information and giving it over to the city clerk as part of their election record. And you mentioned this collaboration with the city of Colorado Springs and their clerk's office. Why is, more generally speaking, collaboration with other municipalities so important for your office? Well, it, it, it's extremely important. You know, we collectively work together, uh, you know, working with the city of Colorado Springs or with the city of Fountain, you know, the town of Monument and, you know, things like that. Um, but when you're sitting here, taking in revenue 
on behalf, you know, for example, like motor vehicles or recording, mm-hmm. and you have to disperse those funds, you know, back to the revenues and th- uh, back to the entities. Um, to me, having a collaborative relationship with all of our taxing entities, which is over 300 here in El Paso County, wow, 17 different school districts and 11 different, you know, um, towns and cities. Um, I think that's what the voters want. They want their government to work together on their behalf. Yeah. No, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so what are some things that you think El Paso County residents should be paying close attention to in the coming months and years? I mean, as we've already discussed, there's a lot going on here in El Paso County. There is. And, and you know, outside of the county as well, of course. Uh, but what do you think residents here in El Paso County should really be paying attention to? The two things that I would sit there as a citizen of this county that I'd be paying attention to are my property taxes mm-hmm. and my elections. Um, property taxes is right now a hot topic. Yeah. And, you know, we're hearing a lot of uh, folks talk about it either in the media or on social media, next door, you know, a lot of different things. But it's a very confusing topic, you know, where folks are like, hey, my taxes and my value went up X percent. Um, how did it get to where it's at? And they hear, they hear these stories of, well, it was the repeal of the Gallagher Amendment. Well, what's the Gallagher Amendment? Uh, what is the state going to do to help us? And so now we sit there and we have a proposition that's going to be going on to the ballot uh, here in November where we all get to vote on that. But people need to be educated about it and understand if you vote yes on something is what, what are some of the consequences? Right. Um, because we all here are seeing our property value and property taxes going up. Elections. When I ran my campaign to be clerk and recorder, I shared with everybody that transparency and credibility was extremely important to me. And I have been working um, extremely hard on that. And one of the things, uh, well, several things that we are um, doing or have done in the clerk and recorder's office is very early on after I got sworn in. Wait a minute. So as clerk, do you get sworn in or sworn at? (laughs) (laughs) maybe a bit of both yeah exactly um so what we ended up doing is we signed a contract scott with experian and you know experian as we all know is the nation's largest uh credit Mm -hmm. you know authority and so there are people that ask for credit to get a credit card a home a car if they go buy new furniture, you know, at Furniture Row, they're tr- asking for gre- credit, but that credit report is done through uh, Experian. And part of that application process is you have to identify your primary residence. So with that being said, is I bounced Experian's data off of our voter rolls. So I excluded our confidential voters and also our UACAVA, which is our overseas military voters. So we sent them about 530,000 records, and we got the information back of who did not match up um, within 24 hours. Oh, wow. So now we are reaching out to those folks where the primary residents did not match with Experian, and we're reaching out to them going, hey, are you no longer a resident of El Paso County because it's showing here you live in Mississippi or Arkansas? Because not everybody, when people move, they never contact their clerk or recorder and going, hey, right. I moved. So what's going to happen is once we go through that investigative process, 
is if we identify that folks have moved out of the county or out of the state, then we're going to go ahead and make them inactive. That's going to have a huge impact on my budget because right now with the amount of reroutes of ballots that come back, you know, it was an excess of over, you know, $30,000 of postage and things like that. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'm working on as well is I'm uh, getting ready to go um, to bid of a new camera system. And basically having a camera system at all 39 of our ballot drop boxes and also in our tabulation room. Um, the reason why that's important to me is our current system does not allow you to stream where folks can sit there and just take, you know, and watch it on their laptop or their iPad. But uh, the, the technology's there. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at upgrading that before our coordinated election this fall where folks can actually watch the ballot box if they want or they can actually watch the election process oh, interesting. during okay. election day. So you can sit there and take a look at what's going on in the tabulation room. To me, people being able to sit at their couch, watch the election results, and watch live what's happening in El Paso County is full transparency. Yeah, so that's not just you guys that are watching it. It's allowing for any resident in El Paso County to watch that and see how that process works. Absolutely. In fact, those videos are going to be embedded on the website, so they just Mm -hmm. need to go to the clerk recorder. But those are the things that I and the team have been really working hard on and continually working as far as just opening things up. The other thing that um, I'm working on as well in regards to elections is putting things onto a GIS platform. Okay. Um, when folks want to sit there and look at voter data, they don't want to look at an Excel spreadsheet, Scott. You know, the rows <laughs> no, no, and columns. No, we do not. <laughs> no. So to me, what we're going to end up, you know, what we're looking at, and, I, you know, I'm the guy that brought um, the new website to the assessor's office, which was an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. But that thing gets hit 49 million times a year. And so what I'm looking at is the same GIS platform that you see on the assessor's office. People understand the look and feel. But on the clerk and recorder side, you're going to be able to identify each day the number of votes cast in each precinct. So you can sit there and just say 67% of the, of, you know, uh, individuals that um, are voters within that precinct have already voted. So those percentages change. But once we certify the election, what I want to do is be able to sit there and say, this precinct was 55% Trump, you know, 45% Biden, um, where you're able to sit there and look at this information. So everything that's on the ballot, you can just look on it in a GIS format mm-hmm. and be completely transparent all the way down to the precinct level. Okay. No, very, that's very interesting. So you mentioned a little bit earlier when you were talking about assessments, how sometimes it's hard to get the right information. How can people get the right information? You know, it, it's pretty easy. Um, several ways. You can go out onto the assessor's website. There's a lot of information out there. And it's very easy to appeal your property value. Um, you know, one thing what people are looking at is they want to appeal the taxes. Mm-hmm. You can't appeal your taxes. You need to appeal the property value. And there's a platform out there that you can actually sit there and take a look at the comparable properties that sold within that specific time frame. Mm-hmm. Or you can contact the assessor's office. Um, they got a great crew there. I know for a fact because, you know, they used <laughs> to work for me. Yeah. Um, that will answer any questions. In addition to that, they will help you through the appeal process. So if, if you're feeling overwhelmed and this is something that you want to do, and there's a lot of folks in the community that I sat there and, and talked to, is what they need to understand is your county assessor 
does mass appraisal, mm-hmm. which is completely different than what we're all accustomed to when we buy or sell a home because you're doing a one-on-one appraisal. Right. So you're doing mass appraisal based on sales that occurred within a specific time frame, and that's per our law. Mm-hmm. However, if you ask for your home to be uh, you know, looked at, if you appeal your property, what you're asking is take it out of the mass appraisal. I want you to do a one-on-one appraisal on my property and find comparables. And the other thing is a lot, there's a stigma out there where folks will sit there and say, if I appeal and if they can support a higher value, they're going to make it go higher. That's not true. Oh, no, I say that's good information to know. It's right? not because, true. Yeah. Yep. So absolutely not. Um, because our assessor has already stated his opinion of value on the notice of value. So that stigma of if they can, you know, raise your value, they're going to do it. That is absolutely not true. Yeah. So it's not so much a roll of the dice and saying, oh gosh, now here, you know, instead of paying, just to throw numbers out there, instead of paying 30% more, I'm now paying 40% more. Correct. Right. So you don't, you don't have to worry about that. No, that's good to know. And look, I, I live in El Paso County. I, you know, I'm looking at these same things as a resident of the county. And um, it's one of those things where having the information for this thing specifically is super important because, um, and I think you alluded to it, but didn't say it specifically. When you're looking at those assessments, it has to be from that specific time period. It's not what does it assess for now? Right. Right. It's what did it assess for between, I think it was January of 21 and June of 22. Does that sound roughly? Absolutely. So it's that 18 month time frame from January 1 of um, 2021 to June 30th of 2022. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at sales within that 18 month time frame. There is no way for an assessor to do, use live data to do a reappraisal. Right. And so, you know, every odd year is a reappraisal year in the state of Colorado. So you have to use historical data. Unfortunately, what that meant is that was the height of this crazy market that we saw and many home buyers trying to fight in bidding wars to get a home. Um, but what we're going to be looking at is what we're seeing now is the market has calmed down. Mm-hmm. I don't see, you know, as I left the office, I didn't see uh, many um, bids above asking price, mm-hmm. you know, that's calmed down quite a bit, but the infer- basically the market we're seeing today will be reflected in the 2025 reappraisal. Okay. Yeah. And look, I know it's not your current role, as right. assessor, but again, like you said, it is a hot topic. So if someone say it doesn't want to go through the process or doesn't like the outcome of what their appeal is for the appraisal, it is going to get reappraised in the next two years. Then. Correct. That, okay. Yep. And, and then they'll see that difference, whether it goes up or down in two years time. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Well, and I tell you, it's uh, no doubt, you know, ever, ever since the, our assessor, um, drop the notices of value. My phone has been ringing. I've been yeah. under, the, under the desk in a fetal position right next to him. So yeah, and, and hey, look, you know we're we're we work with uh, the assessor's office in a communications capacity. So you know, I we see that too. And there yeah. have been a lot of requests from media and you know just individuals that are looking for that information. And you know, I see that as a good thing. You know, and you know, the assessor is doing his job. He's yep. you know it's, it's not, you know, he's trying to put one over on people. He's, he's really just, he's doing his job and letting people know the resources for how they can appeal those decisions if possible. And right. uh, the deadline for that appeal, I believe is June 8th. Is that 
Scott, you're absolutely right. right. Okay, I was going to say, I'm pulling, I, I promise I'm not looking at any notes. I'm really just trying to pull this from You better watch out, man. You're going to be working down, down the assessor's oh, office. Oh, please, please no, please no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I like where I'm at right now. But um, so all that said, uh, is there anything else that we haven't talked about uh, that you would like to add that you think would be important for people to know about? You know, there, there are a lot of things that are happening in our community, uh, one of which today's election day. Mm-hmm. Get out and vote. Yeah. You know, everybody, let your voice be heard. You know, get out and uh, vote. Um, I'm looking at some of the turnouts and, you know, as far as, you know, return ballots. But I, I feel if, you know, if you – everybody should have a say. Mm-hmm. And this is an important election that we have before us as, you know, a new mayor and things like that. The other thing is as we move um, along as a community is understanding – a number of different things that are going to be on the ballot. As I sit there and I talk to citizens, they are so confused with a lot of the legalese of some of this ballot language. And, you know, and that's what we're here to help them out is break it down going, here's what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, so leading up, because I have four elections coming right around the corner starting this <laughs> fall uh, with the coordinated election is if anybody you know, um, doesn't understand the ballot language or things like that. Um, I'd be more than I and my staff be more than happy to help. But we're going to be setting up a lot of town halls here uh, in the very near future as we go into uh, a coordinated election leading on to the general election for the president. Great. Well, thank you for your time today, Steve. I appreciate uh, you being here and for all the work that you do here in El Paso County. So thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. And if you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.